0: Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. bring a word to you today from the gospel reading. It's a similar picture to what you see on the cover. You all know that I did something before I was a pastor, right? You know what I did? I sold products to people who didn't want them. Yes, Dan, I was a math teacher. (laughs) Uh, Can you imagine how fun it is to be a math teacher for students who hate math? It's a lot of fun. Um, so speaking of love and hate and math, who here does love math? Look around, your oddballs. <laughs> who here? Not so much. We won't say hate, but yeah. OK, so for those of you who don't really like math, can you tell us why? why is, what about math makes it so you don't really love it? Complicated. Complicated. You guys can shout out back there, what? Doesn't make sense. It's illogical, I guess. Oh, it is? wait, okay, that's the other path. We'll get there in a second, Dan. Time consuming. Time consuming. Oh, yes, definitely, right? Those are all reasons. Confusing, hard, difficult, um, maybe boring. Uh, when are you ever going to use this in real life? That kind of stuff, right? Well, how about those first people who said you actually like math? Dan said it, it's logical. What else? Why do you happen to like math? There's a method to the madness. Who is someone over here? It answers, it answers questions. Yeah, you can use it uh, to figure out stuff. Anything else? It gets, it gets results. If you're good at math, you can make money, right? Well, OK. So all those things, just take those things and think for a minute. Uh, and I just propose this to you. The word mathematics is the same word in Greek, basically, as the word disciple. Mathesis, right? It has the same root. Why? Because to be a disciple, in some ways, is like being a math student. Melissa's here, shaking her head about to fall off her chair. All you people who hate math, like, I want to follow Jesus, but I can't do math, right? Uh, but In some ways, it takes dedication. It takes uh, time. It takes effort. It's not easy. It can be confusing. Um, all those things, right? So I. Today we're going to talk just a, just briefly what Jesus shows us a few qualities of what it is to be a disciple, like right? to what does it mean to what does it look like to follow Jesus to be a mathetes, uh, which is not a math student but has some of those same qualities. So we're going to look at our gospel reading uh, and we're going to look at four different qualities that Jesus shows us. And I'll try to be brief. That's a beautiful day, and I want you to enjoy your, your church family and uh, your your uh, friends and family as well. So we'll take a look at this and draw something from it. So. I actually want you to read along with me, because this is the kind of thing I did when I was a a math teacher. I wouldn't let anyone fall asleep. So we're going to read our gospel reading, verses 51 and up to 53. Are you ready? All right, verse 51, here we go. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him but the people did not receive him, because his face was set toward Jerusalem." Alright, so, this one's sort of obvious, and all these start with R, and one's not even, I have four words for you, one's not even a word, I had to make it up, so uh, forgive me for that, Uh, I was a math teacher, not an English teacher. Um, Anyway, there's four words, the first one here is receptive, a disciple has to be receptive, has to receive Jesus, and we can see here, the Samaritans, they had a hard time receiving Jesus. Jesus, it says here that his days are almost up and he's heading towards Jerusalem. Jesus is not alone. It's just not him and a couple buddies. There's at least 70, probably a lot more than that, people traveling with Jesus to go to Jerusalem for what, as he he said, the the thing that he's going to accomplish at Jerusalem. A lot of people, and they go to Samaria. Samaria, if you don't know, Jews uh, live up in Galilee up north. It would be like Lockport. And then they have to travel through Clarence to get down to, uh, say, Depew or Lancaster or something like that. They have to make the trip. They could go around Clarence, but it's annoying, so instead they go through. They go through Samaria. They didn't really like the people who lived there, though. They didn't like the Samaritans. As as Melissa read this in our Old Testament reading, they kind of compromised on what it meant to be a follower of God. They made up their own stuff. So Jews didn't like them. they were hospitable and they could stay there. They often, we have records of lots of people staying at villages in Samaria when they passed through. So it wasn't unusual for 100 people on pilgrimage to stop at a town. Right? Those people wanted to make money. But here it says that they would not receive him. They didn't want to receive him. And why? Can we find it? He, his set upon he was set to go to Jerusalem. What's the big deal about that? Well, lots of big deals. But one is that just this, there was already another temple right there in Samaria. It's a temple called Mount Gerizim, and it was the one where they went way back a thousand years before Jesus, they set up another temple. They didn't want to go to Jerusalem. They wanted their own temple, and to this temple they added a lot of stuff, golden calves, um, all kinds of crazy things that weren't true, and they cut out a lot of parts of the Bible. Um, so they wanted their own worship, Right? and Jesus in his interactions with the Samaritans, one place he said to the Samaritan woman, you remember this in John 4, he said to her, this thing that kinda cut her heart, you worship, there's a day that's gonna come that you're gonna worship God in spirit and truth, but right now you worship what you don't know. So these people are sort of ignorant, they don't know what they're, they're doing. Uh, they, they are sort of in the dark. And Jesus is exclusive. He's like I'm going to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a place of the God's temple, the place where uh, is a place of prayer for everybody, a place of atonement for all people who went there. And Jesus is exclusive. Even today Jesus is exclusive, right? And a lot of people don't receive Jesus because he's just too exclusive. Instead of just Jerusalem, it's him. He is the new temple and that's hard for some people. So that's the first thing to be a disciple is you have to receive Jesus right? Seems pretty obvious. you got to receive him. Um, now, lots of us, all of us, I hope and pray, have received Jesus and are receiving Jesus. But we know other people who haven't, right? They're different from us. They have different viewpoints about God and about the world and about politics, all kinds of things. And those people can frustrate us. right? You can just think for a little bit about the people you know. They can frustrate you. And so sometimes you get mad about their viewpoints, right? Whether it is about the political things that happened this week or about religious things. So this next thing is our reaction to that. So let's read verses, just like James and John here has a reaction, let's read together uh, the next thing it takes to be a disciple of Jesus. This is verses 54 to 56. Are you ready? Here we go. And when his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village." James and John, they've got it right, they think. These people are rejecting Jesus. And maybe they've already seen the the glory of Jesus on on this Mount of Transfiguration. They've seen Jesus pop out his glory. They've heard the stories of Elijah bringing down fire right in that area to show that Yahweh is God. And so they're like, let's toast these guys. Great idea, right? No? Are you with me? Not a great idea. But they think it's a great idea. Get rid of these pagans, right? But Jesus, and there's another variance of this where it says, um, it's probably not written by Luke, but it's, some people added it, that says Jesus actually said to them, you don't know what's in your heart. And I didn't come that people would be destroyed, but that souls would be saved. Luke didn't write that, but it sounds like Jesus. He didn't come, he could have stayed in heaven, right? And toasted everybody. He came to save, he came to heal. So, one thing that Jesus asks of us as a disciple, not only are we receptive, the second thing here is that, and this I had to make this word up, that we're, we are realignable. We're realignable. We can be realigned by Jesus. Think back to your math teachers. Did they have to realign you sometimes? Yeah, like a lot of times you didn't get it or you're in the back joking around with your friend uh, or you didn't care at all, you're throwing spitballs, I'm not looking at you Scott, but just saying. Uh, Right? Uh, Your teachers had to realign you and here that's what Jesus does. Jesus realigns us to himself. I didn't come to destroy people but to save them and so he wants us to be realigned also towards those out in the world. And so, keep this phrase. I often have it in my head. Remember what it's like not to know. And maybe you've always known. You've grown up as a Christian and you've followed God your whole life. Praise God. But maybe you haven't. And maybe you're not there yet. So remember what it's like for others not to know. And that's the mercy that God wants for them and for us through uh, for for them and through us. Okay, so, uh, Jesus wants us to be receptive. He wants us to be realignable. And then he's going to show us a couple of challenges here in this instance as he keeps on going. So let's read verses 57 and up to 58. Are you ready? Here we go. As they were going along the road someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Alright, so this guy is a volunteer. He is sees Jesus going to wherever he's going. He's like, I'm gonna follow you, Jesus. This seems like a good plan. Alright, he's a recruit, he's a self-recruit, and he's going. This looks good. But Jesus has to kind of this is my next R. Jesus has to be real with him. Take a look at your bulletin cover again. Look like fun? No. No. Look real? Yeah, yeah. well, you know, in our imagination. Yes, Jesus calls us to himself, but Jesus doesn't call us where everything is going to be easy, right? Jesus says here, he shows us that foxes have dens. And again, he might be talking about, he's talking in code. King Herod is a fox. Foxes have dens. and the Roman Empire, is like birds of the air. The birds of the air have nests. All these people in charge, they've got it. They're good. But the son of man, that's what he calls himself, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Think about that for a minute. Think about all the churches in the world. Think about all the assets that Christians own. But yet Jesus, the one who went first, had nothing. Just relied upon His Father. That's an amazing thing. Uh, He often wants to pull us away from those things. But here's the amazing thing. He wants us to be real and to know that we're going to suffer if we follow Him. Sounds like a great plan, right? not so much. It sounds hard. But he t- calls himself the Son of Man. And, and I just want to point out to you, the Son of Man is sort of this term that he came up with. Uh, if he said, I, if the, the Christ has nowhere to lay his head, everyone would be thinking, oh the Christ, this political leader. If he would have said the Son of God, everyone would be thinking this religious leader. But he says Son of Man, which is both. It's both political leader, and religious leader. And it comes back and it comes from, let me just show you this real quick, just as we keep moving here. Daniel is the one where Jesus gets this phrase. Daniel sees a vision of God. And this is what he says in Daniel 7. He says, I saw in the night visions, this is Daniel seven thirteen. And behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he was present with the ancient of days. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that will not be destroyed. Is Herod gone? Is is the Roman Empire gone? Is Jesus gone? No. His kingdom will not pass away. And that's what Jesus is saying. Right at this moment, he is the Son of Man with no place to lay his head. But he is headed to Jerusalem. And he's going to suffer for us and rise and ascend for us. All right. He wants us to be real with him with our suffering. So let me just point one thing out to you. Jesus. Sorry, let me collect my thoughts here. Well, I. I wasn't really going to say this, but let me just say that this last week, um, as I thought about this verse, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus ended up with only one place to lay his head, and that was the cross. Like, he laid his head on the cross. That's where he was headed. Us, as we follow him, sometimes don't have a great place to lay our heads. It's not easy following Jesus. At some point, we're not going to have any place to lay our heads. Right? Ever. We're going to be done. This world will pass away. Um A week ago, maybe 10 days ago, I was hanging out, I don't know if that's the right word, but I was spending time with Melissa's uncle, Oren, my uncle, Oren, and he was on his deathbed. And he was in the worst physical shape of his life, but he was also in the best spiritual place of his life. People were saying, Oren, you've led a great life, and I know you're going to go to heaven because you've had a great life. And he said, yeah, I've done a few nice things for people, but the reason I'm going to heaven is the grace of Jesus. And this is a man who is, is wasted. His body is wasted. But yet his soul was being restored and looking forward to this glorious thing that God was giving him. He said, I'm going to heaven because of the grace of Jesus. That was good news. All right, so anyway, so I just wanted to share that briefly. So Jesus calls us to be receptive. He wants to realign us. He wants us to be re- real with our sufferings. Oh, and let me also just say one other thing uh, that, that relates to Oren and all of us as we suffer. Um, think of the Apostle Paul. Before he was Paul, he was Saul. What did Saul do for fun? Persecuted. Persecuted the church, right? He was not nice. He was arresting people. He was there when Stephen died. He was approving of it. And then Jesus showed up to him, right? Risen Jesus showed up to him. And what did Jesus say to him? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting Me. Wait, wait, wait. I thought he was persecuting the church. church He was. He was persecuting the church, but yet he was also persecuting Jesus. When we suffer, Jesus suffers with us. When our bodies waste away, Jesus is there and will never leave us. When others don't like us, he is with us. Anyway, moving on. I just wanted to share that with you. Last thing is, he calls us to be ready. Let's read our last few verses here. Verse 59 and 60 I'm sorry verse uh, yeah 59 and 60 here we go to another he said follow me but he said Lord let me first go and bury my father and Jesus said to him leave the dead to bury their own dead but as for you go and proclaim the kingdom of God this sounds like Jesus is a jerk doesn't it Don't bury your dad. like your dad just died and you can't go to the funeral really Jesus or your dad's about to die and you can't go to the funeral, that sounds like Jesus is being so mean, right? Well, if you hear this with Palestine ears, like first century Jewish people, like even today if you go to the Middle East, to Iran or Iraq or Israel, and there's guys that want to move to America, they're like 22 years old, and they're telling their friends, they're boasting, I'm going to go to America. And uh, one of them will say, wait, you mean before you bury your father, and that what they mean by that is like, yeah, my father's only 45. I have to stick around and obey my father until he dies. Then when my father dies, then I'm free to follow Jesus. Then I'm free to do whatever. But Jesus says, no, I have come. I am Lord, and I'm above your father. I'm above all the other norms in your world. Right? So Jesus calls us to be ready regardless of anything else that might want to have the authority in our lives. All right. Lastly, let's read the last one. It's very similar this last guy who is another self-recruit. This is verse 61. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So here's another guy who says, I can do it. I just first have to go say farewell. Um, this, it's kind of, and I hate to do this, but I think it's translated could be better. Every other place this word, say farewell is translated in the New Testament, it's, it's translated, take leave of. And it has this idea of permission. Um, our kids, and they probably love this very much, when we're done eating at dinner, they say something like this, dinner was delicious. May I please be excused, right? That's what they have to say, and you all love it. And we say, sure, yeah, wash your plate, yeah, you can go hang out, do whatever you want. Um, sometimes we say, no, you can't go, uh, because we're talking about something important and you need to stick around. And, and then they get excited about that, right? This word implies permission. So think about this. It's basically the guy saying, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere you want. I just have to ask my dad if that's okay." And then you go ask your dad, hey, dad, I'd like to follow this um, carpenter, now rabbi. And um, he doesn't have a home. And uh, he says he's going to die soon. I'm going to quit my job and go do that. How does that sound, dad? (laughs) Sound good? No, dad's going to say, no, bozo, you have to stay and work the family business, right? Okay. So again, Jesus is saying we have to be ready to follow no matter what. Okay, so as we wrap it up, it's our Lord Jesus who calls us to receive him. It's our Lord Jesus who calls us to be realigned by him. It's the Lord Jesus who calls us to bring our sufferings to him. He is our real Lord. And it's the Lord Jesus who calls us to be ready to follow him. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Having heard the word of God, I invite you to stand and confess your faith in the words of the apostles. Created is not printed in your bulletin. So if you know it, say it loud. If you don't, uh, listen along. Bring it up online. online. I believe it.